if I'm only going to live, you know, I was 30 at the time, she was 55, and I felt like if you only have another 25 years to live, why do the th something that you really hate when, like, up until, leading up until that time, I had sort of wished, you know, that I had been creating the ads and creating the copy and not going out to sell them. Welcome to The Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast, helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day, despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut-up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. I am your host and chief shut-upper of Making Shit Happen, Bernie Shaw. Now... On to today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> and we are back for another awesome edition of the Shut Up Show. I'm your host, and unfortunately, I don't have my video up and running today. This is the second time Google Hangout has done this, so I apologize, Shut Up Show community. But if you've been here before, you know what I look like, you know what I'm all about. And actually, it's a good day because I'm not having the best hair day. <laughs> so that being said... <laughs> So that being said, I can't wait to introduce our guest for today's show. We've got an amazing person who actually has been in my network for a little bit now. We've been kind of seeing each other here and there on Facebook and Twitter, but finally we decided to reach out to each other and found out we have so much freaking stuff in common. So I can't wait to let her talk a little bit more about what she's up to and where she's been. But our guest for today, guys, is Jessica Kupferman, host of Lady Business Radio. Jessica, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I can't wait to talk. I mean, seriously, as I stalked your, your profile and your website and everything, I'm like, oh my God, we're so much alike. This is crazy. Why didn't we talk sooner? But it's A-OK. -okay. I always feel like everything's meant to happen when it happens. So. Yeah. <laughs> I totally felt the same way. Like, where has she been? How do I not know her? This is annoying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to learn a lot more about uh, those things that we have in common. But really where I like to start the conversation usually, Jessica, is to have you share with our audience what really led you on the path to do the work that you do now. So if you want to start then and then move to today, or if you want to start in the present and kind of move backwards, feel free to, to start and kick off the show with that. I mean, you know, in recent uh, in recent reflection, um, you can sort of go back to like birth to see like what led you on the path to what you're doing today. But I I won't bore you with those details. But um, I would say that uh, you know I've always been somewhat of a performer as a kid and through college, and then um, right after college I had children and. Um, I was a communications major, which was, which really is useless, let's be honest, but like marketing and, um, and PR and stuff like that. And so the first jobs I could really get, and I always needed to hustle for a job because I had kids to feed, um, was in ad sales. I found myself really wanting to create the ads instead of selling them. Um, to this day, I'm a nervous salesperson, and I'm terrible at going in for the, what I call going in for the kill, but really it's just the close. Um, so... Yeah, so so my mother, uh, so I was doing these jobs, flitting from one after another, marketing sales, marketing sales, and then my mother got ill. She was diagnosed with cancer 
um, in 2004. She passed away eight months later in 2005, and she left me like a little bit of money. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to, um, if I'm only going to live, you know, I was 30 at the time. She was 55, and I felt like if you only have another 25 years to live, why do this something that you really hate when like up until leading up until that time I had sort of wished you know that I had been creating the ads and creating the copy and not going out to sell them so I thought I would give it a shot I took the money that she left me I bought a computer I bought software I sent myself to design school and I started being a designer and then when social media came about boy, I mean things changed so much you know I, I sort of felt like in order to boom my business, I could really work with anybody, you know, at least over the phone. So I thought, um, I'm just going to friend everybody I've ever met on Facebook and Twitter and then sort of once in a while post something I designed so that people would remember that I was a designer and then maybe send work my way. And that went really well for a while. But then also people were asking me how to use Facebook and how to use Twitter for business. So I sort of... Um, transitioned into designer social media consultant and then I did that for a little while and so um, I'm now at a point where rather than design the websites and teach people the basics over and over I'm more of a digital business consultant so after being in internet marketing you know for 15 years and having my own business for 10 and doing consulting for five I can clearly look at a business that is online, whether it's a coaching business or just a brick and mortar that they're putting online and, and see where it needs to be tweaked in order to have the best results, whether it's sales, whether it's growing an audience, whether it's um, having people attend events. I'm really good at, I sort of, um, I mean, in my bio, it's the, the Gordon Ramsay to your online kitchen nightmare. That's awesome. But it, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can visualize what that might actually look and feel like. Yeah, right? he goes in, he fires this guy, he tweaks the way that looks, and boom, all of a sudden it's successful. I sort of do the same thing. It's just that it's with a you know with an online business that's either stuck, flailing, or you know maybe sometimes the business owners aren't sure which way to go, which way will be profitable, and they get stuck in this like um, cul-de-sac of indecision so I can sort of go you know help them focus put things in priority and do one thing at a time so that they can move forward that so, is awesome you yeah. know what I I didn't know this part of your backstory I knew that oh. 2005 was a pivotal moment because I knew yeah. you would quit your job and you went out on your own yeah. but here's the funny thing what you didn't know is I also was in ad sales I was in uh, for no I'm serious for a small community newspaper in uh, the Milwaukee Wisconsin area at the time and I, I was the same as you I'm like oh my god I have way more fun designing the ads right uh -huh. with my clients than actually selling the ads but I never did go to school for graduate design so I still don't have that talent yet <laughs> but no, I like you I totally like you I yeah. mostly taught myself when I very first started I just went to school so that I could figure out the things I didn't know but right. you know the ad sales thing like I did it was mostly banner advertising like a lot of the ad sales jobs I did they were for a newspaper but I was selling banner ads on the website but like in 1999 I mean first of all our own website looked terrible but then also Many of the clients I would approach, I w they would be all for a banner ad. Then they would go, well, where, where does it click? And I would say, well, you know, it's supposed to click through to your site. Oh, we don't have a website. Like, I was insane. <laughs> website. And so I was like, oh, well, I mean, how do you get business and traffic online when they don't do that? And then I would start consulting them about a website, what pages it should have, what right. they want it to look like. And that actually, when you can see a path forming, even though it was 
you know, like almost, you know, five years before I would even think to be a web designer. Right. You can sort of see a path forming of how, you know, you get to the places you are, I guess, right? I found it, from your story, I find it so interesting that it sounds like all the paths that led to the work you do was because the demand was, was generated for it and you kind of were the person people wanted to buy it from. I mean, would you find, would you say that you found that that has happened quite a bit in your life, Jessica? I find that I tend to, yeah, I tend to get, I'm a, I'm sort of a super early adopter when it comes to stuff on the internet. I can see an opportunity for business where people may not see it yet and start to manipulate and strategize how I'm going to use it to my advantage. And then once I've mastered it, people start to ask me or I start to want to teach them. Podcasting is a perfect example, even though podcasting has been around since what seems like the dawn of time. My husband's been listening to podcasts forever. I don't think for business people you know, any anybody really thought of it for a long time. And then I was like, back to me saying I was a performer as a kid, um, being a designer, I really missed being in front of an audience. But I have two children, so I don't want to do, you know, I've, I've done stand-up comedy, but that's a lot of being away. Speaking is a lot of being away. Podcasting is a way where I can be funny and be entertaining and not have to go anywhere. Um so, so, and then I actually started out doing a video show, but I was such a perfectionist about the editing that I made myself, <laughs> and, uh, and I couldn't continue with it because I was just like, all right, this is just insane. It should not take me four hours to put out a half hour show. It's great. Well, you, well, you know how I feel now with my weekly web show. So <laughs> you are a smart, smart woman. <laughs> it's really hard. I mean, I don't know how much editing you do, but I was trying to be funny. So I would like fly in little like funny f sayings and stuff, and then I was like, I'm just driving myself crazy. I can't even do this. Um, so yeah, so that's why I started an audio podcast, and I, and I refuse to edit it or even listen to it. When it's done, intro, outro, off you go. <laughs> you are so cute. I love it. I really am enjoying your backstory because I, I love that you chose the words early adopter because that was the first thing that came to mind as I was listening to your story. And you didn't even use that word because what I love about your story is, is and correct me if I'm wrong if this is the case, but I know a lot of people in the social media space who have been at this for a very long time in terms of building a business online or brick and mortar. And then they, they embrace social media Barely, you know, very early on, and then now, you know, we're talking 2014. They've been around a long time. I'm talking 10 plus years, and then people, you know, who are brand new to it, you know, 12 months out of the gate, are trying to be an overnight success, mimicking these people who've been around for 10 plus years doing yeah. this work. And I feel like you're one of those people who's been around a while. And now, if we want to call you an overnight success, you and I both know it wasn't overnight. You and I both know it took many, many years. I mean, how do you feel about that whole overnight success, you know, phenomenon that's going on? I mean, I mean, it irks me on several different levels, to be honest with you. Um, uh, the people who are trying to be an overnight success and aren't succeeding as fast as they were like, I think are the people that are on Facebook posting their um, little mini ad in seven groups at a time so that you see like, uh, like you would see like Bernie posted in this and this and this and this and this. Those are the people that are trying to be an overnight success and it's so transparent and also a little bit spammy that it, that it starts to, I think work against them. Right. And then I think the people who truly are overnight successes because they have a popular podcast or because they have a certain personality, I think when they try to then monetize that overnight success somehow, 
um, they end up teaching stuff that people, other people have been teaching and doing it better for a really long time. And and a perfect example, oh gosh, I hope he doesn't get mad at me. But like, <laughs> but like David Seitman Garland is a really good example of that. Okay. Because, um, and he does not do his show anymore, but he had a really popular show, The Rise to the Top, is one of the first, I think, entrepreneurial podcasts. It was video, the way you do it, but then also he had an audio version of it too. It was very successful. He had sponsors, he had ads, but he and he was and he was doing okay with that, but I guess he didn't think it was a steady enough income because an advertiser could bail and then you're out your income. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to find a way to monetize it. So he started to do courses, um, you know, how to do a really good show, which was probably went well, and then how to do really good interviews, which probably went well. But then he started to teach other stuff like creating courses, creating webinars, and it's just like, but wait though, like. We've been, I've been learning that and even teaching it now for five years. Like, what? It just didn't make sense that, like, mm -hmm. I get that your show is really successful and that you're really popular and you want to monetize it, but you've got to do it in the thing that you've made a success, not branch out and do things that other people have been doing for 10 years. Right. I so love the point you bring up because I think there's, and, and I'm just trying to, like, um, um, convey the, the message you're trying to say so for, correct yeah, me if, if, if I'm not reframing it correctly but it, it sounds like it sounds like the thing that you're very well known for you whoever you are the proverbial you right. the thing that you're well known for doesn't necessarily need to be the thing that you need to monetize in your business and when you start to monetize it and then you lose track of that thing you were good at at the beginning you kind of have to question yourself and go well why are you here like what yeah. is the purpose you bring and, and, and I don't know David Excitement Garland uh, personally, but I am familiar with his work, yeah. and I and I would agree that that the the harmful thing that could happen here is people could try to mimic what he did and right. think they can duplicate the success he did. So that gives them false hope, and at the same time, we also know that nobody can be another David Excitement Garland because right. he's the only one. So right. we're not blaming we're not blaming him here. I know I, I understand that, but but I think this is a great example of why mimicking and emulating people isn't the best way to go, and how harmful is it for us cr content creators to provide people the opportunity to mimic and emulate us? I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Is that the right question? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. You know, it's really hard, and it's hard to. Um, stay doing the same thing over and over and over. I mean, after two years and let's say 500 interviews, maybe you just got bored. But the truth is, like, if you are going to teach people how to do online business, part of that is being able to answer questions like, <clears throat> like technical questions that he couldn't answer because he had always outsourced it. Or okay. you know, so <clears throat> I think that it's hard to stick to what you're good at if you get bored with it. But you have to evolve in a way that makes sense. And for yourself and in a way that people will want to learn from you, I guess. Does that make sense? Right. It totally makes sense. You yeah. know, I, I get, and I'm sure you get this too, but I've been podcasting now for, and I even hate calling it podcasting because my show is more popular for the web part of it, not the audio part of it, because I didn't do the audio until very much later. But right. I've been doing this for, you know, um, year and a half to two years now total experience mm -hmm. and I've had a ton of people come up to me and ask me to create a podcast course and I said you know pardon my French fuck no <laughs> I said I'm not in this to teach people how to podcast I love 
being on the video. I love being on the audio. I love talking about mindset strategies. I don't love showing you how to tactically yeah. put a podcast together. So no, I'm not creating you that course. Go to go to my friend Moran Barakhead of Inspiring Innovation. He's doing that and he's awesome at it. Yeah. Don't come to me. I don't want to build that for you. So that's kind of my take on it, but that's me. I mean, and see, I'm the opposite. I created podcasting school for women because once I did it, I was like, why am I the only girl having a podcast? <laughs> like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, here, it's a lot easier than you think. I figured out the easiest way to do it. If you're a mom, if you're busy, you don't need all this fancy mixers. And I know the tech looks hard because boys are teaching it. <laughs> right. Here's like a girl way of doing it. You need Skype, you need GarageBand, you need a host. Here you go. And you can yeah. have your show. And it really, the show, as you know, I mean, it really makes a big difference in your business. But um, I don't mind teaching people how to do it. And I think, I mean, and from what I've told, people like learning from me because I try to be entertaining. And I right. sort of say what I'm thinking as I'm going or if I make mistakes, like I don't really edit them out. I'm just kind of like, oh, that's not the right thing. Oh, better go right. back. Um, and I love that you said I enjoy teaching these women how to start their podcasts, and so that's the most important part too, I believe. And and we're not just picking on podcasts, you know, courses here. We're talking about anything, right? You have to enjoy what you do, otherwise, why are you selling it? Why are you packaging that together for your people? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah I had no idea we we're going to go off on that tangent, but I thought. Yeah. That was important. That yeah. That's very, very important because as we evolve, I mean, even you, you evolved from selling you and with a communications background, by the way, to marketing, graphic design, more marketing, consulting, speaking, authoring, web show, hosting, podcasting. I mean, you do a ton of stuff and I pretty much do all of those things too. So it's about evolving. It's about getting better. Um, I know we all hate the term, but it's about leveling up, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, go, going pro if you, if you want to use all those buzzwords but I mean the important thing is but it's because we want to it's because we are excited about this and the people we bring into our community Jessica I'm sure you can relate they like following our lead they love seeing what we have to offer and put out into the world because we have very unique and distinct voices what would you say is the biggest problem or the biggest reason why people come to you for your help um I I would say the biggest reason people come to me, well, first of all, since I started my podcast, people come to me and ask me for help because they say they feel like they already know me and they know I'm the person to help them with X, Y, and Z problem. And I attribute that 100% to my podcast because I don't think that a website, a blog post, I don't think those things can really allow people to feel like they know you as well as when you're interacting the way you and I are right now and you're talking about yourself. Right. I there's just something about being able to show either how smart you are, how quick you are, how funny you are, etc. Um, that allow people to get to know me. The other part is, I think, well, I can only say what people say, like, but it feels weird to compliment myself this way, so I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway. Um, that I'm that I seem like I would be fun to work with. Okay. And also that I'll tell them the honest truth, even if it's not what they want to hear, which is true. And I actually try to do that in a nice way, but I do say like, you know, this. You may think this is the right direction, but like no one's buying it for a reason. Sorry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? um, because and I think and that could be attributed to a couple of things. Sometimes when I'm interviewing, I you know I challenge what someone's saying to me or tell them that in my experience it hasn't worked out that way, etc. And so I think they take that as a sign of me being maybe brutally honest with everyone. 
and and to be and the truth is, I'm really only brutally honest with people who um, I feel like can hear it. Mm-hmm. But not everyone, I don't think, can hear the truth, or at least you know you have to rephrase in a ways that that people can hear. I mean, being a communications major, one thing you do learn is like the same message may need to be delivered ten different ways to ten different people. Right. So you really have to know who you're talking to so you can know how to say the truth in a way that's not going to make them cry or hate you. Right, right. But I think I think the hardest thing about being, if we want to call it like an online presence or an online personality, I think even more so than being offline and in, in person, is, is finding that voice that not only attracts people that you want to bring into your community, but also I think that is relevant enough, or maybe even, if I dare to say, polarizing enough, that you are sought out, right? Or that you do raise a certain level of awareness and exposure so that people can at least find you because yeah. you and I both know the online space is huge. You know, that's it's an opportunity and it's also sometimes, you know, um, um, a, 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 oh my gosh, I'm lost for words today. <laughs> you with your, you were lady, you can help me here. A detrimental. Sometimes it can be detrimental yeah. because the space is so massively huge. So you're like fighting for attention. So how do you continue to kind of keep yourself grounded as you're continuing to hone your voice online? Keep myself grounded. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm always humbled when people tell me, um, even that they listen to the show. I'm still, I've had my show, pro- you know, just as long as you, like 15 months, I guess, May of last year. And um, I'm still always shocked when people tell me they listen or that they've heard every episode. Like, that still surprises me. Right. Um, I'm not sure. And I, and I, some, and actually, when people ask me this question, I often think about celebrities and wonder, like, Jennifer Aniston really bored with people telling her like that she's funny or whatever. Like, I don't think I could ever stop being grateful that people even pretend to pay attention to me, right? Like, much right. Like, I don't even know if that's a self-esteem. <laughs> like, I'm just not used to it yet. She's had like many years of that, and I haven't. But like, um, yeah. So that's part of it, and I think the other part of it is um, I. Um, I'm always grateful, but then I always set really strict boundaries as well so that I, ca- I can't be so grateful that I I can cater to everyone and every question that they have in all my spare time because I learned really quickly that when you appear accessible, which mm-hmm. I want to appear as, and you know people feel that you're accessible, they ask you questions that they want you to answer within 15 minutes or a quick question on Facebook or can I just tweet you and ask you this, etc. And it makes it a little bit hard to be productive. So I, I went through a period where my show was doing really well and I was, and I'm a people pleaser and I was answering all this stuff and then I was like, I'm not getting anything done. I, you know, I think if people are going to, they, you know, if they want to interview me, they're going to have to go through this form and if they want to be on my show, they have to go through mm-hmm. the form and if they want to, um, ask me questions, then they're going to have to pay this amount of money for a half hour of my time because there was a while there where I was just like, felt like I was like being bled dry and they weren't necessarily vampires. It's just right. the inundation of it was a little bit painful. So um, I don't even know if this is answering your question. I just sort of... I think so. I mean, in, in so many words, you're saying you have to set boundaries, Well. Right? I- yeah, I mean, your question was, like, how do I stay grounded? And, and and the truth is, like, 
it's an odd balance between constantly being grateful and overwhelmed that you even have the attention in the first place and then um, and then setting boundaries in place so that you're you're not um, being taken advantage of I guess I agree so and it's weird because you know because up until that point you are the one people come to and say like I I wanted to ask her this question, but she was so rude to me, and she said I had to go through this, you know, like, you know, I don't want to be that person, and I have friends that have that are much better at setting boundaries than me. Are she in your group? Because she, you know, I asked her to be a guest poster on my blog, and she said she was too busy, and that was just so rude. You know, I'm always kind of like, even before I was having that experience, I was like, I'm sorry she was rude. Like, I don't have that experience with her, so I think she's really nice. But um, I still kind of answer the same way, to be honest. Like, <laughs> sorry. But um, right. I don't necessarily want to be that person who seems ungrateful, who seems unattainable. I don't like when people do that to me, especially as a host of a show. When you reach out to someone, you at least want to hear a no and a why. Right. Right? But um, I don't feel like those people are grounded. So I don't know. I guess... Right. Maybe there's another level that I haven't gotten to yet where I'll feel like, oh, now I get it. You can't talk to everyone, so stop talking to everyone. Right. You know, but but what you're saying there kind of reminds me of that one saying, and I'm probably going to get it wrong like I, I do every time I mention this on the show, but um, it's that whole thing about, you know, how people define success or wealth or money, right? And I always say that if you were a jerk before all your money and success, you're going to be an even bigger jerk after the money and success. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm led to believe that if you, let's say, you know, we're even more popular, your show is even more popular, you have even more people emailing you or subscribing to your list or you know, calling in, listening in, or whatnot, I still feel like who you were before all of that is going to be who you are later with even more of, you know, the resources to support you. So my take on it is I don't worry that if you are a good person who really wants to help people, I don't think that's going to change just because all of a sudden you've got a new level of success. I think maybe you'll get better at delegating. Maybe you'll get better at streamlining some things. But I don't think that the connection piece, right, the relationship building, the engaging and communicating with people, I don't think that's going to change too much because I think you're still going to build that into your process. Yeah, I mean, like, and Oprah is a really good example of that, right? So, like, she's now the richest woman in the world, and people still feel like, like they can just go up to Oprah and be like, "You're my best friend, girl," right? Because yeah. she always had that. I mean, I mean, and yes, of course, there's been reports about diva behavior over the years, but it's very <laughs> few and far between, luckily right. for her. And I think that's because, like you said, like she's the same girl with that tiny little afro in Baltimore. Yep. Yep. Now, and I and I hope to achieve that. You know, not that I'll get Oprah status, right? But I hope that I would, I would not get to a point where I would start acting like somebody different, like you said. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think this is this is so important. It's it, this is awesome, actually. This conversation we're having, it's very different than many of the other conversations I had, which which they all are different in ways. Yeah. But what I love about this is the fact that we can be so open about being women entrepreneurs too. I know I tend to not really go there very much on the show. It could be because I talk to a lot of men on the show. It could also be because of the things we talk about tend to not be lady business. But what I love about talking to you is that that is your whole brand. I mean, you 
you're talking about how do I help women entrepreneurs, you know, improve their business or even improve their self-esteem and confidence as they go out into into this business space. And so let's segue there. Let's talk a little bit more about the work that you do. Uh, let's talk a little more about your podcast, maybe the genesis for that, and even the genesis for the work that you do today helping women entrepreneurs, Jessica. You know, it's really funny because I never had good luck with friends as a kid, like girlfriends. I've never had growing up like a best friend. I was always like a third wheel to another like couple of best friends that would like hang out and then I would just sort of be like, me too. <laughs> um, and that lasted like all through high school, college, even college. Like I, I've never had like one best friend but just a group of friends, if I have friends at all, which early on I didn't. Um, then in college, I joined like an all-female acapella group. I was in a sorority. It was like it changed all of a sudden. I wasn't sure why. I guess because I found the girls that were a little bit less catty, a little bit less, I guess I don't want to say girly because that sounds like woman bashing. But you know what I mean? Like they just were like not catty, not full of drama, like to drink and smoke. I guess like I did in college, and so <laughs> um, you know I felt a little bit more comfortable. And then. Um, and then I had a, a run for another couple years there where I had horrible female bosses. They were just like the meanest, most, you know, least understanding, most hypocritical, cattiest, most horrible women. You just wouldn't even believe it. And so starting my own business, I really was like um, working with everybody. And then, my, you know, my clientele was, was equal, I guess, male-female, but I didn't start to notice that female clients paid better, respected my opinion more, um, didn't talk over me. Like, I just started to notice subtle differences between the two, and then I took Marie Forleo's B-School, and in that in that course, it was like 2011, in that course, you know, she teaches you how to um, fix your website so that it sells better, and so there's 300 women who have changes to their website that needs to be made, and I was like one of the few designers that knew how to do it. So all of a sudden, all my clients were female, all of them. Um, I barely had um, room to take it. Not that I couldn't take male clients, but they just happened to all be female. And then I started to notice patterns of like fear in launching a website, fear in managing their own website, like tech and fear went together. Wow. And for me, like, I didn't understand why, and then I thought, gosh, I mean, it, it was usually a couple reasons. Either A, you know, their whole lives they felt like they were not technical or women were not technical, or B, they felt like, you know, another, usually a man, which is a shame, horrible, and not, and I'm not a gender bachelor. I have a son, and I'm growing a son in my stomach as we speak, and, like, anyway, so um, I do love men. It's just that, you know, I started to notice that a lot of women entrepreneurs I came after a man who either designed their site, hosted their site, and treated them like they needed him because they couldn't do it on their own. So it's mm -hmm. almost like they had been trained to keep coming back, which I guess is a smart business plan. Like, you can't have control over your site. I have to make every change. And by the way, if here's, you know, $50 for every change, please. Mm -hmm. And so they were always frustrated because they couldn't add plugins or they didn't know how to add copy. And I thought, this is like the saddest thing ever because here are all these super brilliant women who have like really no control over their business. It's an online world. They have no control over their website. It really means you have no control of your business. Mm -hmm. It was infuriating. It infuriated me. And so I didn't mean to be such a, um, a radical, you know, uh, entrepreneurial feminist, but it just 
sort of turned out that way. And so, um, so anyway, so so the podcasting and and um, and so just helping women become more confident in their tech. I didn't necessarily create my courses just for women, but I think women it appeals to them more because it's less technical, it's easier to understand, and it, and there's a little bit of and I'm not a coach, right? So it's just a little bit of like you can totally do it. You're being ridiculous, like not necessarily like a loving yoga type, right? <laughs> more like a you know, you're an intelligent person, and you can do well. This. Gordon Ramsay, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so then the podcasting thing sort of came because I wanted to grow my own business, and I was kind of looking around, going, "Okay, so here are the shows I could be on, like Entrepreneur on Fire, and I think Lewis House had School of Greatness." And I started to look at their shows, and I was like, "Man, man, 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 woman, man, man, man." man. And I'm like, "I'm never going to get on there, never, never going to get on there." And then I and I thought, start thinking about my colleagues too, and I was like. You know, they should have this person and this person and this person and this person. He hasn't interviewed any of those people. And then I thought, I mean, not 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 in a bad way, but then I thought, you know, when you admire, when you're an entrepreneur, you have um, mentors, people that you look up to. For me, that's usually women. For men, that's usually men. So it made sense to me why they weren't interviewing more women. But at the same time, I thought, well, I'm never going to get on these shows because, you know, it's going to take me forever because... There's 101 men for every woman. And then I thought, well, that seems unfair. I could host the show because I couldn't be the one to invite brilliant women and, and talk to them about how they got to where they were, how they balanced. The other part of the shows that I didn't like was that it was mostly about business. How did you get to be successful? What are your keys to success? And, like, after a while, I just feel like it's, like, the same song with a different singer, like, over and over. Yeah. I sort of, I really wanted to know, like, like I want to ask Danielle Laporte, like, you know, like, what time do you pick your kid up every day? I want right. to, you know, like, I, 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 even the guys, I, I want to hear that, too. Like, so what do you do? Like, what do you eat for lunch? Like, it was always about business over and over and over, and it just got boring to me. So I thought, I want to highlight women, and I also don't just want to highlight their business, but how they've managed to fit it in with the mm -hmm. stuff they like to do, the people they live with, you know, and, like, and like, you know, whether they're traveling, what happened, like, Pam Slim, like, goes on these book tours because she does a book every year, like, who watches her kids? How does her husband feel about that? Is he irritated about it, or is he, like, all the <laughs> I love it. So basically asking the questions that everybody's thinking but too afraid to ask, right? Yeah. yeah. And, but, but also, I mean, um, so, so I ended up becoming like, yeah, like a champion of like women entrepreneurs and, and it was sort of, it all sort of came out of what I saw was a need that was not being met. Like we're sort of being left in the dust a little in certain areas and I still feel like that in certain right. areas. Um, and podcasting is a perfect example because I see all these articles written by men about podcasting and how they're making six figures a month, and that is not possible if you have a show geared towards women because there's only 30% of the audience is women is, are women. Right. So my show will never have the same type of downloads as Entrepreneur on Fire, just never. Right. And yet, and yet to see an article written over and over in Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine and this and that about podcasting, what a goldmine it is, it's misleading for, for women podcasters, I think. I, I love that you brought that up because it brings, it, it circles back to the beginning of this conversation, Jessica, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, I mean and, and, 
you and I know we're not bashing other podcasters, but oh, that. That, that works I for them, right? Like that works for them. Yeah. And each person has their own brand. Each person has their own purpose and their mission with what they do. And you're right. I think for you, the heart of the matter is women representing, right? Like we women need to represent because we're being underserved and underrepresented everywhere else. And I think that's awesome. And, mm. and I, I mean, I think it's a brilliant idea. I mean, even with me and the theme for the Shut Up Show, I got sick and tired too of hearing the whole interview-based thing. So I was talking to people about fear. Like, like, and then I'm about to ask you the question too, but I would ask people these questions where they're like, wow, nobody's ever asked me that before. I'm like, duh, because they're scared to ask you what I'm about to ask you, Jessica, which is, what the hell are you afraid of right now? I mean, you've seen yeah. a, a great level of success in your life, whatever you define as success, right? You, you know, people have written books, people have done shows, people have, you know, gotten six, seven figures, whatever, right? But let's be honest here. We still are scared every day we wake up as entrepreneurs. So yeah. my question to you now, Jessica, as we're like rounding out our show, what the hell are you afraid of today? So like the whole list or just like one or two things? <laughs> Maybe the thing that screams out to you the most. <laughs> right now the thing that screams out to me the most is um, not being prepared for, for having a baby, for going on maternity leave. Like I had a very specific plan for how my business was going to go. And then, uh, and I knew I was trying to get pregnant, but as the birth gets closer and closer, which, and I'm due uh, beginning of December, December 1st. Okay. Um, as it gets closer, I start to worry, like, am I going to have enough shows? Like, what if there's health problems and I only have a month worth of shows and I can't interview, you know, like, you just never know when you have a new baby. Like, if they're, I mean, if they're going to have, like, you know, need tubal ligation in their ears or some kind of horrible colic problem, like, you just never know. And so mm -hmm. what if I'm not prepared enough? And then if, if I am prepared, let's say I am prepared enough, like, am I going to disappear and people are going to forget all about me? Or, like, am I going to be able to still grow or even make money? While I'm out on maternity leave, how long am I going to need to be gone? Or, like, what if I don't want to be gone and I'm annoyed that I have a baby and that I'm mad at the baby and mad at my husband and, like, missing right. work? And, like, or what if there's this huge opportunity? You know, there's all this – I could just keep going, actually. Yeah. But there's, there's all this fear that surrounds, like, what happens next. I've already had two children – a million years ago and like and I'm and it was harder it was hard then and I didn't have my own business I was home and then I went and then I went to work I don't know what it's like to be home hear a baby cry and have someone else go get them like how am I gonna do that right, right. Uh, and if I and don't and if I and if I don't do it I mean if I do do it what am I gonna sacrifice as far as success finance like what am I gonna what am I gonna sacrifice by by paying more attention to the business or the baby what when is the right time to get a nanny all that stuff right gosh and that is such a valid fear I mean if we if we relate this to the context of being a business owner and not you know a pregnant woman who right. also happens to own a business right. it could be anything like what if I become disabled what if I get really sick right what if I lose a limb what if whatever right okay, what if I lose my house surgery and you can't write or you exactly. can't for three months what if you're what if three things you have you can type like this for three months like, <laughs> right so the follow-up question I have for you because this is a very valid fear we all face every single day all of us entrepreneurs or people who are doing their own thing so what is your answer to that I mean do you have systems processes a backup plan are there things that you've been building on the side to handle situations like this so yeah so I planned on um, 
so I planned on keeping an open enrollment for Podcasting School for Women. I have another course that I'm going to launch in the fall just to try and make a little bit of a cushion right before the baby's born. And then I'm just going to sort of hope that both the open enrollment and the other thing can carry through until the beginning of the year. I, I mean, I know myself well enough to know that, like, even when I'm on vacation, like, I want to check my phone and my email. So it's going to be really hard for me to disconnect. Like, but one of my worries is, like, I'm going to have to, but I have other friends who have had babies recently that were, like, I was pretty much tweeting from the hospital bed, right? So... <laughs> Uh, so I don't know if it's that much of a concern. I'm just going to try and plan financially for as much cushion as I can. And then when I come back, I guess really think about what it's what I'm capable of doing, how many shows I'm capable, you know, how much interviewing I'm capable of doing. If I'm, if I'm still going to be able to do one-on-one -on -one coaching, am I going to change my business model? Because this is the other half of the things that I'm afraid of, which is like lately I put out courses and stuff and I get like, okay response but then when I say so what kind of stuff do you guys want to learn from me a lot of it is like we just want to listen to you or like just whatever you put out will be great so it means to me that I'm the product yeah and that is also scary and you probably know exactly what yes, that's like. when you absolutely have, when you are a personality when you're a product then you're kind of left with but then how do I make money right I can't without just, without exchanging my time you're like I right? can't just go up and tap dance for you no <laughs> well you could you could probably <laughs> You can monetize doing that. I love it. I mean, and I love I love where this conversation went because I, I think this is the most important thing about, you know, people like you and me being online like this, being on video, streaming on audio, telling people, you know what, I have fear too. You know what, here are the things that I'm worried about. And you know what, I don't know if I have the right answer. But I think the really cool thing about this is instead of us sitting in the fear and, and being paralyzed by it, people like us are taking action and we're finding ways to solve the problem. We're finding ways to be a part of the solution rather than just sitting here, right, and drowning in our sorrows. So that's what I love about, you know, me doing my show and what it sounds like your show does as well is not only do we talk about how do we navigate through like the mindset stuff, but it's also here are some really actionable things that you can do, you know, yeah. women entrepreneur or even male entrepreneur to yeah. get through to the other side of that fear. So thank you so much for sharing that because I know that's personal and private, but we need to hear that stuff, you know, because we're not alone in that fear. I agree. Yeah, it's very scary. And I think with any fear, you just have to plan as much as you can. And then like, you know, like, I mean, it's kind of like jumping into a, a pool. You really don't know if you're going to drown. As long as you feel like you know how to swim and you hold your nose so no water gets up there, you should be all right, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, as we as we close out here, um, aside from you about to have a baby, which might be a Sagittarius, yay! Because I'm a Sagittarius and you're a Capricorn, I know. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's cool, by the way. Capricorns and Sagittarius get along really they well. They do, I know. Um, <laughs> aside from that, what are you working on? If you could share any upcoming projects or products, and then how our listeners and viewers can find your work, Jessica. Yeah, so my so my website's ladybusiness.biz, and that's where my podcast and everything is. And then open enrollment, if you ever did want to start a show or think about, if you thought about starting our podcast, the modules are available for individual sale as well as the full thing. That's podcastingschoolforwomen.com. And then the fall, the piece that I'm doing, and I, I ha, it has a name. It's called Brand Vu, although I'm not really sure if it's the right name, but I, I'm going to keep it for now. It's basically a course that shows people how to be more personal online in order to grow the, their business. So 
it's hard to explain, but it's sort of like, you know, I've sort of scientifically figured out, like, the way you ask questions and the way you engage with people, if you use your thoughts and your opinions more, you end up growing your audience much faster than if you are talking about ways you can help people. Yeah. You wow. But it really, I mean, and all the times I've rebranded, all the times I've had a business, like, the one consistent thing I've done is grow, and it's because I'm always sharing a little bit of what's going on in my brain, and people relate to that, so... I love that because that sounds like the art component to it, but it, what it sounds like from your research is that's also the scientific approach to it as well. A so, bit. I, yeah. So I like how you're blending the art and the science to give people, if you want to call it a formula, to be better yeah. online, and I think that's important. It's so, yeah. It's totally, it's totally just made from observation. But, um, but if you just try, I mean, if you would just try one of the posts, like, um, what's the deal with, for example? And end that with whatever, you know, not, it's very Seinfeldian. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you will get more comments than anything else. Just, just a perfect example. What's the deal with X and then how you feel about it? I'm telling you, the stream will go on for days. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to, like, try that exercise out. I totally believe you. That's awesome. <laughs> well, see there, Shut Up Show, folks. We've got some awesome actionable advice. So take that advice. Also, just check out Jessica Kufferman's uh, uh, podcast and her website. I'll have all the links at the bottom of the show notes here in a couple of days. But for those of you who did join us live, thank you so much for coming on. This was such an amazing conversation. And thank you, Jessica, because, like I said, we have way too much in common. This was way overdue uh, but I'm so glad we finally had the opportunity to connect like this so thank you so much for your awesome words of advice I know the listeners out. love it oh absolutely and I, I'm going to be talking to you again soon too so uh, it'll be a very interesting week for both of us yeah. <laughs> alright folks that's another edition of the Shadow Show thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next week thank you for joining us for another episode of the Shut Up Show the Shut Up Show is sponsored by The Amazing Cells. That's S-E-L-Z dot com. Seriously simple selling. Get instant access to download a free copy of our 18-page ebook, The Solopreneur's Guide for Shutting Up and Making Shit Happen. Simply go to our website at theshutupshow.com slash subscribe and join other brave entrepreneurs who are shutting up and making shit happen. If you believe in the Shut Up Show and this platform has helped you shut up and make shit happen, please head on over to iTunes, search for the Shut Up Show in the podcast section, and leave us an honest star rating and review. Your feedback will help us to gauge what we're doing well and where we need to continue to improve. The ratings and reviews help us to continue to bring on amazing sponsors like Cells so that we can deliver weekly episodes to you for free. So your feedback does matter. Thank you for helping us and supporting us.